So the title of the series this afternoon, or for the next few weeks, is Me and My Big Mouth. So who better to open the series than me? <laughs> I knew I'd get an amen over there in the corner. The title of the message is Learning a New Language. So let's start with a bit of a joke. What do you call someone who is trilingual? Someone who speaks three languages. You'll get the next bit. What do you call someone who's bilingual? Someone who speaks two languages. What do you call someone who is speak only one language? British. <laughs> you never heard that? No. Okay. Now you can use it again. So the, I want to start really by thinking, how do we live in the world but not be people of the world? One way is to recognize that all of us are learning to speak a new language. And the more you immerse yourself in that new language and culture, the more you then begin to speak and absorb the new ideas of your new homeland. So lo siento, pero mi español es totalmente muy malo. Eh, pero me vivo aquí en Londres. Tengo 30 años. Eh, solamente mi confianza en Jesucristo. Gloria a Dios. And the demon left. Amen. <laughs> Spoke a little bit of Spanish if you didn't understand that. <laughs> Amen. What I'm trying to say is I learn most of the Spanish that I can speak by immersing myself in a culture. If you think you're going to learn it by apps or living in London and trying, attempting to learn it at school or something, you can learn some, but you will learn a whole lot more when you actually live and immerse yourself in the culture. And that's what I did about 10 years ago. I did some work with YWAM, and there were times where I'd go to the supermarket and they would be giving me the numbers at the till, and I'm looking away from, you know, the little thing that they hang out, you can read the number, and I'm just looking at the person, and they're repeating it several times, and I used to cheat by just always giving the biggest note, right? You'll definitely get change. But they realize when you're paying for something that's like $3 and you're giving a $200 bill, it doesn't quite make sense. So they know that you're cheating a bit. But my point is, the only way you're going to learn is if you really immerse yourself in the culture. So some learning outcomes for us today, four learning outcomes. We need to find the connection between our thoughts and our words. We need to recognize that our exposure, our environment, and our experiences will shape a lot of our current thinking. We then need to work on ways on shifting our thinking, then we shift our words, then we shift our lives, and then we need to adjust the way that we see each other. Because so many times, the way we see each other is based on our own perceptions, our own presuppositions. We don't always see the best in people, and therefore, we take those negativities to it. So turn with me, if you can, to 1 Peter 4, verses 10 through 11. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. I'm reading NIV throughout this afternoon. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, you should do this with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So the first thing to recognize is the greatest gift you have to give is yourself. The presence of yourself is the greatest gift. And then, then it's the gifts that God has stored up inside you. Now, Peter says that we should take a different view from the world in anything that we might call ours. Firstly, he implies that we must see whatever we have as a gift from God. 
After all, nothing which God has given us has not been given to us, as James 1.17 declares. Second, we should see whatever we have been given as an opportunity to serve other Christians. In other words, everything is ours, not yours. In doing that, we declare God's word. The psalmist declares in Psalm 119, the entrance of your word gives light. A steward is someone who is entrusted to manage the property of another. Every good thing we have is ours by God's grace, and he intended for us to use it for his purposes. Failure to use God's gift to serve one another is failing to be a good steward. Wisely using everything we have to serve one another is part of fulfilling God's plan. Galatians 4 verse 6, let your speech always be gracious. We all have a desire to live to live life well, to maximize our potential and reflect the image of Christ. And you know, being an old man now, the longer I live, the more I realize there is a direct connection between our thoughts and our words. This connection is one of the most important things that we can learn to conquer in our lives. Many people's problems are actually rooted in their thinking, and that then produces some of the problems we experience. A negative mind will always produce negative words, and consequently, a negative life. Now, they're the worst per- people to be around. I've never, there's none in the office, I know that. But have you ever been around people who are always negative? They're always defeatist, they always find the lowest common denominator, they always find the worst situation, they, they, they're never positive about anything. They're the complainers, they're the people in life that just always finding issues with things. Our words can become the traps that cause us to continue in our cycle of negative thinking. Proverbs 18 declares the power of life and death is found in the tongue. So what are you speaking this afternoon? Because we're all tempted to speak negatively. And I can see there's a few young people here, so you might understand what I'm about to say next. A few months ago, I had to sit an exam. I don't really like exams. And I'm a bit of these lastminute.com people, so it's like nine o'clock the night before, I'll just give it four or five straight hours and I'll wing it. Everyone, anyone ever winged an exam? One or two, don't, don't, if mom's here, don't put your hand up, right? It's okay, but I've done it, and I became quite good at it. The problem was that in this particular exam, I had done no preparation, I didn't really like the topic, I wasn't committed to it. I went in with a defeatist mentality that I'm gonna fail this exam. Now, praise God, I won't say what the great, well, I passed by one mark, there you go. (laughs) Otherwise, on Monday, I'd be doing a reset, right? So we thank God for his grace. But the point is, if you go in with a defeatist mentality, that's likely what you're going to get. If you believe you can, guess what? You will. Equally, if you believe you can't, you're also right. You won't. So what are you thinking? How are are your thoughts shaping the way that you then approach life? To turn our words around, we need to start thinking about what we're actually thinking about. Do you take time each week to reflect on what you've been thinking about that week? In the busyness and the chaos of life in London, do you take time to just sit and go, well, what have I been thinking about this week? What have I been focusing on? Where have my efforts been channeled? What has been eroding at my joy? What has been stealing my time? Or do we just go through process after process after process? The Bible often speaks about the power of the mind and our thoughts. Now that's easy to glaze over. You go into Waterstones, the biggest section, the fastest growing section is the self-help books. But we already have the answer found in the scriptures. Changing the way you think changes your perspective. That will change your words. That will change how you act in the world. 
So we know Romans 12 verse 2, it's been preached to death, I'm not going to bore you with it, but Paul's words are not new. Changing your mind is central to Jesus' first sermon in Matthew 4. So it's clearly a significant area for us. Jesus challenged people to change their thinking irrespective of how many times you've read the Bible. If your mind does not change, you will simply start imposing your presuppositions and your labels and your thoughts and your ideology on whatever it is that you're reading from the Scriptures. And if it doesn't fit for you, then you will find a way of justifying it, you'll find a way of qualifying it. Think about what you're thinking about. And as you recognize a lie in your mind, start speaking out the truth, exactly like that video. I mean, the, the biggest thing was not the words he was saying, because that's scripture, it's with the passion and the zeal and the tenacity and the confidence with which he is saying it. He's not saying it to tick a box. He be deeply believes those words in his heart. The same is true for us. Our minds are powerful and our thoughts shape who we are and who we will become. So four things to reflect on. One, you're not alone in your thinking. You are in a battle, but you are not alone. All of us will fight this fight, Ephesians 6, verse 12. Make up your mind that you're not going to give up. Colossians 3, verse 2 says, set your minds on the thing above, things above, sorry. Keep it set, not just for today, because I'm talking right now, and you'll do enough just to get to the end of the service. Tomorrow morning, as you don't get a seat on the tube, on Tuesday, when you sit in a meeting with your boss, in every single season and environment you find yourself in, keep your mind set on the things of Christ. Number two, do not fall into the trap of negative thinking. Now, that's far easier said than done, because I used to allow disappointments and failures dull my appetite and dull my enthusiasm in areas of my life. I had a season, well, if you don't expect anything from anyone, you never get disappointed. That's setting the bar really, really low. And yet God's word declares that his promises are yes and amen. His promises are to bless us, are to prosper us, are to give us that healthy future. David, deeply distressed in 1 Samuel verse 30, what did he do? He stirred himself up in the Lord. Is that your default response? When you find yourself in moments where you're deeply distressed or you're deeply discouraged or disappointed about an outcome in life, is it your response to stir yourself up in the things of God? Or is it easy just to allow the negative feelings to wash over you? If you continue to believe those lies, you will never get over your past. So how do you, how do you conquer that? Number three, new thoughts equal new possibilities. With God's help, I am continually reminded, and you should be the same, that your past does not hold your future hostage. It only holds your future hostage if you allow it to. I don't need God's help to give up. I need God's help to keep going. The result is the same, but the thinking is different. Simply, my life would not have got straightened out until my mouth and my mind did. Because like I said before, if you can't do something, you're correct. Equally, if you believe you can do it, you're also correct. Because you will then have the motivation and the appetite to do it. So I'll share a little bit of a story. It goes back about 20 years. It's a bit awkward, really. I used to be very, well, I probably still am, hopefully, maybe. I used to be very, very good at long distance running. Like I got trialed for England. I was very, very skinny. Uh, so when I mean long distance, I'm talking, you know, minimum 10, 15 miles, right? Not, not round a track, over fields, jumping over fences, all sorts of stuff. Anyway, January 1995, there's probably some people in this room that weren't born then, run with me. Um, we had to run in North London in an area where basically you have to run the length of a football field into the woods, and then there's a, you know, a map 
root it out, and you just go and do your thing. Now, I was sufficiently good that I would run against people three years older than me. I made the mistake the first year, January 95, of running in the middle of the pack. And if you've ever played football with football boots and it's muddy, you will know what I'm about to say is very true. My football boot got stuck in the mud. Bang, face down, nobody's helping you up. People running over me, trampling over me. Anyway, finished really disappointed, 40-something out of 200 people, disappointed with my effort. The next year, I shifted my thinking. So I'm now like 96, I'll be like almost 12, no, almost 13. I shifted my thinking. This was the football field. Everyone's lined up within there. I'm standing here. And I decided I'm going to sprint the length of that football field, cut in, and start running. And that's exactly what I did. And out of 200-something kids, I won. I never saw another rival. I have the medal at home in a drawer. If you want me to bring it next week, ask me. <laughs> I did try and find it, but I couldn't find it. But I assure you, I have it. What shifted? Aside from the music, thank you. <laughs> Bless you. Um, what shifted? I'm one year older, so in theory, one year wiser. But I also shifted my approach. The course was the same. It's the same thing every year, 14 miles or whatever it is. But it shifted my thinking. I saw that that didn't work. I have to change it into something that does work. You, in your situation, in your circumstances, where things are not working, it's going to require a change. It's going to require you to look at the situation differently, from a different lens, from a different perspective, gain some insight, gain some support from other people that might be able to give you some fresh ideas. It's a bit like writing those papers for university. Anyone that's ever done that, always send it to a friend. Just to let them glaze their eyes over it. They'll pick up a typo. They'll see how you can word something a bit better. A fresh pair of eyes brings perspective. We all need it. All we trust in ourselves, and we continue on our merry way to mediocrity. Changing your words and thoughts is not easy, but with God's help, all things are possible. We all know Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. So the capacity and the capability is there, but is the desire there? Number four, something I've learned recently, be patient with yourself. We have to choose to think and speak positively. Now, that doesn't always come naturally, and it doesn't come overnight, but it does take time. But if you take those opportunities in your life, you will find that you will make the steps that you need to in order to flourish in what God has called you to do. There will be days that you have setbacks and you just get back and you dust yourself off and you keep going. I think about my little niece now, you know, she's like 10, 12 weeks old now. Like she's trying to move, she's rolling over, doing different things. No, she doesn't sit there at 10 or 12 weeks old thinking I failed because I can't stand up yet. We shouldn't either. When we fall into mistakes, when we fall into situations that don't work, you're going to fail from time to time. That does not mean that you're a failure. It means that you're not perfect and you don't do everything right all the time. Breaking news, nobody does. Not even Gabriel. <laughs> but he's close. Some, some concluding thoughts. If you've ever been consumed with negative thinking and speaking, the pathway to your freedom begins when you face the problem without making excuses for it. Now, that's going to be really hard for some of you because you've had years of thinking like that. Do not give up. You have to learn to claim what already belongs to you, exactly like that video said, which means, by the way, that your mind and your thinking also belong to you. I think we give the enemy far too much credit. Jesus will help you overcome. Now that you've pulled the lie out, now that you've dug up the weed in the ground, so to speak, from your situations, you've now got a bit of a gap there. 
Now you've got to fill that gap. You fill that gap with God's promises over your life. You fill that gap with God's blessings. You fill that gap with God's word. You don't then replace it with another negative thought. All you're doing is swapping out the weed at that point. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So you begin to speak God's word over your life. You begin to sing songs of praise to God. Now, the reverse of people that are always defeatist and always losing and always having a bad attitude, bad mentality, are the people that are the opposite of that. Every now and then, you will always meet someone different. The people that see the world differently, they're calm, nothing seems to shake them. They're almost impossible to offend, which for a Christian is like amazing, right? See, you're offended by the statement. No, I'm joking. (laughs) They listen more than they talk. They love everyone, even their enemies. Their joy and their peace is all-consuming. People who are different understand Philippians 4 verse 8 in totality. They choose love. They choose to see God's image in every single person that they see. And they ruthlessly eliminate negativity. What you choose to see will determine your reality. You have the power to change your reality by changing your focus. If you make a conscious effort to fill your mind with pure, wholesome, godly thoughts, you will flourish in your walk. Fear and distrust of life and people is not from God, and yet we seem hardwired in our thinking. Some of us are afraid of being afraid. Why? Past experiences, past circumstances, past challenges that we've gone through has hardwired us that that's now my default response to every person in any situation. And yet, our natural disposition as Christians, as believers, should be generous and kind and gracious to everyone we meet, which means we should be open and vulnerable and be able to speak life into every person that we encounter because the Spirit breeds love. When you choose fear, your life and your legacy suffers, period. So do you want to flourish or do you want to suffer? Be patient with yourself. As you change your thinking, your words will change and so will your life. So I want to go back, if I can, before I come into land, to the, to the learning outcomes. I want you to identify maybe the thoughts and therefore the corresponding words in your life, the top three that are stealing your joy. Is it, I can't do attitude? Is it, the enemy is always beating me on this or the enemy is always defeating me on that? Is it past experiences from childhood? Is it your attitude to maybe previous relationship where trust was breached and now you don't trust anyone as a result of that one situation? Recognize that your exposure, your experience, and your environment will shape your thinking. So if you grew up in a home where dad never prayed, you will see no value in prayer. That was your environment. If your exposure has only ever been rejection, you will struggle to love and therefore receive love. Is this resonating? I hope so. And also your experiences, because we all go through experiences in life. And that shapes our thinking, that shapes our heart, it shapes our attitude, and therefore how we posture and position ourselves to encounter people that want to maybe pour into us something without wanting anything in return. You know, you can never outgive God. You can never outbless Him. You can never outgive Him. He will always love you more than you ever loved Him. He will always want to be with you more than you will ever want to be with Him. 
and yet he knows the worst and sees the best every single time. And that is the invitation for us today, is to be able to move forward in everything that God has for us, be able to see our lives in its totality, recognizing that ultimately our lives and our focus and our outlook and our reality is going to be shaped by what we speak. What we speak to other people, how we speak life or whether we speak negatively about them, how we see them, how we approach them, how we interact with them. Do we ignore them? Do we cut them off? Or do we engage? Do we build conversation? Do we build restoration? And that's the invitation for us today. So it's me and my big mouth, but as we learn that new language of life and life-giving, we change our focus, we shift our thinking. As a result of shifting our thinking, we shift our words. As a result of shifting our words, the things that we declare or don't declare over our lives change, and with that, our lives change, our destiny changes. And so that's the invitation today. We need to adjust the way we think and therefore adjust the way we speak. And as a result of that, you will flourish in all that God has for you.